I'm Ryan Dombrowski. I'm the Ninja Fat Man from Doom Ninja Podcast. A podcast member of the Gunna Geek Network. Just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. Check out all the other podcasts at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. And get ready, because geekiness begins in three, two, one. So your father's a nerd. Unfortunately, there's no player's guide to raising a family, but this podcast is meant to be a family's guide to nerdism. Join us, Alec and Zuby, as we go in depth as to what it's like to raising a family of nerdlings and the adventures and hardships of fatherhood. We dive deep into our favorite nerd topics and talk to you about how it's related to raising a family. You can find So Your Father's a Nerd on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. Why am I talking like this, you may ask? Well, I've been told I have a smooth voice. So this one's out there for who you know who you are. So, let's get some ads out of the way. This episode is featured on LegitMTG.com. LegitMTG.com not only has some really well-written articles, but also offers free shipping on all orders over $2 or more. Ever get tired of going to other sites and just have to buy some cheap singles and shipping costs more than what you're buying? No more. Any order over $2 or more has free shipping at LegitMTG.com. Alright, alright. Let's get back to normal here. Or should I continue the entire podcast with that smooth voice? Well, you just have to wait and see. So anyways, Magic with Zuby can be found on the following. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, MTGcast.com, PodcastRadioNetwork.net, every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, as well as Gunna Geek Network, uh, GunnaGeek.com. If you wish to email me with any questions, send me an email at mtgzubi at gmail.com, as well as Facebook at facebook.com slash magicwithzubi or Twitter at magicwithzubi. I also have a YouTube and vid.me channel where I put the podcast and various pack openings and other random crap up. Um, You know, just search for magicwithzubi on YouTube and on and at vidme, vid.me, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Um, you can subscribe and review Magic Azubi on iTunes, Google Play. That really helps me out. Uh, much, much appreciated. As well as we have a Patreon as well. Patreon.com slash Magic If you feel so inclined to donate a little bit, there are rewards for each tier. We've got three tiers now. And, you know, just check it out. You know, I'm, I'm not saying you have to, but, you know, much appreciated. So today we're going to be talking about wizards wizards we need to talk but before we get into our little talk let's talk a little bit about some magic that i've played so definitely the past two weeks i've played a crap ton of magic um with Amonkhet now officially out uh i am loving the draft environment for Amonkhet. i don't know about the rest of you guys but drafting Amonkhet, i have not had this much fun drafting since God, I mean, I really liked Shadows Over Innistrad Draft and Eldritch Moon, but it always felt, uh, I mean, I definitely liked Triple Shadows more than Eldritch Moon. Um, I'm trying to think the last limited environment I really liked. Battle for Zendikar, 
did not like that at all. Um, it was either you pick allies or you pick Eldrazi, pretty much it. And do not pick green. Um, I know green did get better with Oath, but triple battle sucked. Um, I was not a fan of Origins draft at all before that. Uh, I I would have to say the last time I had this much fun in a or not standard um limited environment is probably triple cons. And I don't know what it is about Amonkhet that makes it fun. Um, the cycling definitely adds a new aspect to it, a new a new flavor. Um, and the one one counters can make it really interesting. Um, I love. I was not a fan of the trials and the cartouches when they were first spoiled. But man, I gotta tell you, play- actually playing them and see how well it can actually be done while you're playing. I mean, it's awesome to, oh, I'm going to play, uh, I mean, I've, I've had this, I did this, uh, last week, the opening weekend of Amonkhet and where I played one of the trials. I can't remember. I think it was the white one or was it the red one? I don't remember. It could have been either one. And then they played a cartouche returning the trial and then go and play another trial again. So played the trial twice and the cartouche all on the same turn and it was just nasty that was a long and grindy game where that happened in because i was going for i was a red white aggro deck and um now nah, it was just a lot of fun um and then i recently drafted and did blue black and it wasn't the greatest i went one and two i think or no 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 one 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 or one and two i don't remember but it was a fun deck i drafted that um crap What's that one enchantment? I'm going to pull it up here. You know, we don't do editing here at Magic with Zuby. I don't even know what that means. Um, it was that one enchantment. It was not my first pick. It had to have been my second or third pick, though. Uh, it was Faith of the Devoted, which is two and a black enchantment. Whenever you cycle or discard a card, you may pay one. If you do, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. So while my deck didn't have that many cycling creatures, I did have some high-costing creatures that did have cycling attached to it. So, And then you have that enchantment out, and if you're just getting stuck where you can't attack or anything, it's like, oh, I'm going to cycle now. And boom, your opponent just starts to slowly lose life. It's just a lot of fun. Um, like I said, I didn't do that well. No, okay, so according to my notes, I went 1-1-1. One, one, one. All right. But yeah, uh, love Amonkhet Limited so far. Um, I've only done one standard um, actual sanction event with uh, Amonkhet Standard. I played a Fling a Tog deck, which is Ravenous Intruder and Fling and a bunch of crappy artifacts. Not really crappy. Um, I can just go over the deck real quick. Where's my Fling a Tog? Fling a Tog. All right. So. It's basically it's basically a fling a tog deck where a tog you sack artifacts to get plus two plus two. You can either swing that turn if you can, and then if you can't, then it's just usually better to fling it, where you sack the creature and it deals damage equal to the creature's power to target creature or player. Uh, most likely, you want to do it to the face of the player. Uh, so a lot of the artifacts that I run are implement of combustion, which turns out to be really really cool. Uh, whenever Implement of Combustion is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, draw a card. And it costs, it's a one drop. Uh, key to the City. Uh, this must be an older list because I dropped down to two keys of the city, not three. A Servo Schematic, which surprisingly in Fling a Tog was pretty cool. 
uh, what's cool about it, when Servo Schematic enters the battlefield, or is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, or, yeah, or is put into the graveyard from the battlefield, create a 1-1 colorless Servo artifact creature token. So, you cast that, you get the 1-1 Servo, and then you sack it to Ravenous Intruder, and then you get another 1-1 Servo. Boom. So, you, you essentially have three sack targets for Ravenous Intruder that are giving you plus six, plus six. That is awesome. That That's just really sweet key to the city making your creature unblockable uh which is really really good and it's also good for the when it becomes untapped you may pay two to draw a card because you kind of really need to dig through your deck if you're just not getting that fling sometimes uh, as far as the other creatures go i got four bomat courier which i always sideboarded out because yeah that card it was either between that card or hope of gear or i know i could have done ornithopter but ornithopter really would have done nothing for me the entire deck because i don't have any pump spells i don't have a way to give it even a plus one plus one i'd have to use another slot like if i had to use a cartouche or something which i'm not willing to sacrifice that you know the i was thinking about hope of gear as a one one flyer at least to be able to get a little up there i probably should have gone with that more Compared to Bomat Courier, because the Bomat Courier makes you exile the top card of your library face down, and then you sack it. There were a few times where Bomat Courier did come in handy. I had one where I had three or four cards, and I was just not drawing into anything, and then I sacked it, and I discarded my hand, which was like a mountain, and I got like two flings and a ravenous intruder, and it helped me win the game. Um, so th there are times where it's handy, but more often than not, it's going to screw you in the long run, at least in my experience. Um, for Filigree Familiar, which when Filigree Familiar enters the battlefield, you gain two life. When it dies, draw a card. So a really good sack target. Uh, for PNLR, just for it creating a 1-1 Thopter token. And then plus, I can make a creature unblockable by sacking an artifact, which is awesome. Or I can pump an artifact. Uh, then the four Ravenous Intruder, four Scrap Heap Scrounger, which, why wouldn't this be in an artifact deck? It's so good. Um, it's still really good. I mean, yeah, you have to watch out for Magma Spray now, so and it'll get exiled, but, uh, you know. And then Unlicensed Disintegration has been an all-star in this deck so many times. I basically won by just beating down and then just killing the other opponent's creatures with unlicensed and then they just can't handle all that life loss that that card i that is probably my favorite kill spell in standard right now is unlicensed disintegration i mean fatal push is up there as well but unlicensed just so good um and that is basically the deck that i run 21 lands on my sideboard right now is aether sphere harvester for if i go up against any vehicles with heart of kieran um that has actually been pretty handy and when I also just need to get over the ground to just start doing some damage. Chandra, Torch of Defiance is a one of. Four Fatal Push. Three Pia's Revolution. Now, this is a spicy card right here. I hate hate using that word, but it is. It's it's very, very um unique to this deck. So Pia's Revolution, in case you don't know, probably no one knows, is it's two in a red enchantment. Whenever a non-token artifact is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, return that card to your hand unless target opponent has Pia's Revolution deal three damage to him or her. So basically, it's I have that out, and then I start sacking to Ravenous Intruder. I can put the artifact back in my hand 
unless they want Pia's Revolution deal three damage to him or her, which that's awesome. And then for Transgress the Mind, Transgress the Mind is it's almost really needed at this point in standard. So that is Fling a Tog in a nutshell. Really enjoyed playing it. I'm, I'm only playing it for one week in standard. Uh, my next deck is Jund Monsters, which let me go over that really quick here. So last standard for Aether Revolt, I didn't play that much, but one of the decks that I did enjoy playing was Jund Energy with Winding Constrictor and Rishkar Pima, Pima Renegade. Uh, really good card. So I wanted to try to continue that Jund energy sort of theme but when i saw glory bringer get um uh get spoiled it's that's just when it all like sort of changed i sort of went from it does have an energy sub theme but it is more monster related so the creatures that i run are three bristling hydras three glory bringer four green belt rampager an elephant cute little thing uh four long tusk cub which has been that card's been so good uh, two Ronus the Indomitable, the Snake God, the Green Snake God. Four Scribe Peep Scrounger, because you can't go wrong with that card at all. And then two Tireless Tracker, four Voltaic Brawler, two Heart of Kieran, which has been a new addition to my uh, sort of Jund Energy theme. I didn't have that before. Um, 21 Lands, uh, three Harness Lightning, four Unlicensed Integration, four Attuned to Aether. And then my sideboard currently right now is one Chandra Torch of Defiance, two Cut to Ribbons, which that has been surprisingly good, three Fatal Push, three Magma Spray, three Release the Gremlings, one Sky Sovereign, and two Transgress the Mind. I'll definitely post the deck list for both decks that I talked about here. And, you know, just so everybody can see. So you'll see that definitely in the show notes. Uh, as far as other magic that I've been playing, I talked about limited and then standard, uh, played some modern a little bit, uh, with Grix's Delver against, and just really play testing my friend against Grix's Death Shadow. Damn. Um, my Grix's Delver deck is built more for tempo. I, it was a very controlly. So maybe with, uh, Death Shadow becoming more popular, I can maybe switch back to a more controlly aspect of Grixis Delver. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. So I did play some Legacy the other night too, and I went two and one in Legacy, winning against Scred Red and um, what was the other one? Scred Red and Elves, and then um, losing against Storm. And yeah, that Storm. <laughs> it's like with Legacy Elves, it just feels like well, there's not much I can do. Um, you know, my sideboard tech does have Cabal Therapies and Thought Seizes. And, you know, it's like, oh, I can get rid of one card, but, you know, you're just going to find it again or <laughs> whatever. So, uh, yeah, um, kind of frustrating, but oh, well. Uh, so that was fun. Um, yeah, I, I think that's pretty much. Oh, I played a lot of EDH, uh, Krufix and Omnath. I think I'm still kind of set on just the three EDH decks I have for right now. I'm not really interested in building another. I keep thinking of, I keep thinking about building a Zedru deck, um, making it a very very group hug. But eh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to spend money focusing on that because the one deck I really want to start focusing saving up on is for Grixis Delver Legacy. I've pretty much got almost all the cards. Except the duels and like a true name nemesis, a fluster storm, and a null rod. So yeah, 
just the expensive cards. Oh, geez. <laughs> Why's it got to be so expensive? But uh, whatever. That could be a whole nother episode. I know we've no, no, Alec and I have just talked about um the reserve list. So let's get on to the main topic here. Wizards, we need to talk. And I'm not just talking about the emergency banning of Felidar Guardian. That is part of it. That is part of what I want to talk about here. And I'm not just talking about the other standard bannings, which pretty much made me quit standard for a few months um, with Emrakul, Reflector Mage, and Smuggler's Copter, because that completely killed my Bant Flash deck, which I'm still kind of salty about, because I loved that deck. I, that was the only deck I enjoyed playing in Kaladesh Standard. Even though it wasn't the greatest, to me it was a really fun deck. Um, but I really want to talk about or even just ask, what is going on lately? I get it. I get it. You guys were bought out by Hasbro. You guys have shareholders you need to meet expectations for. You need to be able to make money for the shareholders. And I get it. Each set appears to break you know, more records than the last. And the game appears to be ever-growing according to your numbers. But the past two years have just been a I don't want to say a decline it's been a very very questionable of the decisions that are being made and the reverses that happen as well and it and some of it could be attributed to R&D with um you know design and development choices that just kind of make you scratch your head sort of like okay you know um so let's just start at the beginning here uh it all started off with you know a long long time ago and a no uh, what would it be what would be magic's equivalent a plane far away i guess a long long time ago and a plane far away uh they decided to announce i think this was hold on let me look at when this article came out again Come on, internet, load up faster for me. You can do it. You can do it, you piece of shit. There you go. On August 25th, 2014, so this would have been right before the release of Cons of Tarkir, right? Yeah, because M15 was already out, and it was an article called Metamorphosis discussing how they are changing the sets from going to three, three blocks a set to two blocks a set which okay that's not too bad and then they talk about how they're going to be getting rid of the core sets uh that magic origins is going to be the newest set um and that they are also going to be rotating faster as well that it's going to be an 18 month rotation compared to the 24 month rotation which at the time people were up in arms and just like oh what's going on but we started to like the idea of it that there would be two sets per block and you actually have three blocks a year instead of the, you know, two blocks a year. Um, so it didn't seem that bad, but, um, well, before we get into that, uh, before we get into when they did the reversal, let's talk about what else happened that year. So Consitark here comes out, you know, really awesome set. Um, you know, everybody loved it. it. It sold record numbers, you know, fetches. Um, you know, there were problems with Abzan and Siege Rhino. And, you know, Siege Rhino's 
mixing with more siege rhinos but you know it always felt very very fun even at a local level you know there was still a lot of room for brewing that even there were a lot of brews that could handle abzan if you just built your deck to be able to beat abzan you know even saltai whip that was a really fun deck you remember that deck if you were around back then super fun uh theros cons has been regarded as one of the best standards i mean that we've had i mean at least the past couple years not not i i know rtr and innistrad is highly regarded i'm i'm not saying that but theros Takans has been at least recently extremely recently the past few years has been one of the best standards um i i still think rtr and innistrad is better than it but that's beside the point um i feel like it all started to go a little downhill when battle for zendikar came out um you know i remember when we were spoiled with battle for zendikar the cards didn't seem that great but what made it even more surprising were the fetchable duels now fetch lands were already pretty expensive beforehand um I mean, I can remember them most of them just sitting at about twenty bucks a piece. I think Polluted Delta and Flooded Strand were some of the more expensive ones. Windswept Teeth went down into the ground at like ten bucks a pop because it got reprinted in the Clash Pack during Fate Reforged. But all the rest were hovering around about fifteen to twenty bucks. Polluted Delta, I think, was going up to thirty at one point. So it the standard was already getting a little expensive. And then Battle for Zendikar came out. We saw Fetchable Duels. And then there was a little known card in Magic Origins that decided to spike insanely. And that card is Jace Vryn's Prodigy, a.k.a. known as Baby Jace. That card got up to as high as... Did it get up to $100? I know it definitely got up to 90 because I can remember I bought my playset at <clears throat> I think it was between 15 to 25 bucks before it really started spiking. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um the the popular decks at the time when Battle for Zendikar came out and I think it was even made more apparent when Oath came out was it was definitely Dark Jeskai. Uh, Abzan was still popular but not as much. Uh, Dark Jeskai and Four Color Rally were some of the most popular ones at the time. Uh, I mean, I remember seeing it everywhere in the PPTQ circuit, the IQ circuit. Um, I didn't go to G any GPs or opens, but I remember seeing it a lot on, you know, Star City. And this was probably one of the first times in a very long time that Standard was extremely, extremely expensive. I mean, we're talking about four color rally dark just guy could easily run you up to eight hundred to nine hundred dollars just for the fetches, the the um dual lands, and the baby jaces, because most most decks ran a playset of baby jace. And if you're looking at a hundred bucks a pop, that's four hundred bucks right there. For standard. We're not talking about modern or legacy here. And the forums and Twitter and Facebook were going insane that Wizards needs to do something. This is too much money for standard we're talking about. The one format that should be the most 
easiest to enter that there should not be this high of a barrier to entry. And, you know, luckily when shadows of Renistar came out, the new rotation was in effect. So cons and fate did rotate out and <clears throat> we had some relief in the cost of standard and, um, yeah, I mean, it was a lot cheaper. Baby Jace was still high. I still remember it. I think after shadows, it started hovering around maybe 60 to 70 to 80. You know, it definitely went down. It was not a hundred bucks a pop anymore, but, when Shadows Over Innistrad hit, something else happened. And you could see glimpses of this with Four Color Rally. And then there was um, the, oh, was not Mardu? Was it like a Mardu Collected Company or, oh crap, what was it? Death Miss Raptor was really popular. And it was a Mardu Green, Mardu Green, I think that was it. Mardu Green Collected Company. But like I said, when Shadows Over Innistrad hit, a new deck emerged. And it was like the only deck anybody played. I should know. I played it through all out through Shadows and Eldritch Moon until Kaladesh came out. That was the only standard deck I played. That was the Bant Collected Company deck. Everybody played it. There you would see Star City Opens where it'd be Bant Company versus Bant Company. It was unprecedented to see this many copies of one deck. Yeah, there were slight variations. It was a very skill-intensive deck, you know, very, very grindy. Um, I took it to, I took Bant Company to a game day for Eldritch Moon. I didn't win. I lost against Mardu Super Friends, but, um, and it was like a five round. I went four and one, got second place, and I beat every single person with Bant Company, and sometimes it was like, this isn't even fun, you know, and the amount of collected company that was out on the scene, Wizards didn't do anything about it. Yet they have stated in articles in the past that they should have done something about it. And granted, it would have pissed off a lot of people. But, you know, collected company is an extremely good card. So that almost kind of raises the question of what happened in R&D for that? Who thought that would be good for standard? Because you got to admit, when collected company first came out, it was not that popular of a card at all when it first came out. Yeah, there were some fringe builds with it that people tried to utilize with it. Um, it definitely changed modern elves for good. I mean, Collect Company was so good in modern for elves, for sure. And then also Abzan Company later. But it wasn't until, like, uh, yeah, because Drag came out in Dragons. When Battle for Zendikar came out, and then you saw the four-color rally. And, but... Like I said, that card was sort of a sleeper card at first, kind of. Especially in Standard, we didn't see much play with it. And then Shadows and Rinistrad hits, it's everywhere. Literally everywhere. Can you imagine what Standard would have been like had Cons and Fate still been in? I mean, it probably still would have been four-color rally of some sort. But man. So all throughout Shadows and Eldritch Moon, it was Bant Company everywhere. And then a little set called Kaladesh comes out and Kaladesh. When Kaladesh came out, dragons of Tarkir and magic origins rotated out. Thankfully. So no more collected company, the world rejoiced or the magic world rejoiced. And now we get the rise of green, black delirium, blue, white flash. 
and red, white, and Maru vehicles. It was red, white vehicles at first. Uh, people didn't start splashing the black until later, from what I remember. Um, so it was ve- so those were the three decks reigning supreme during Kaladesh, and there was a lot of discussions when dragons and magic origins rotated out that there was just a lot of discussion of apparent lack of answers versus threats meaning that we don't have a lot of answers to be able to get rid of these creatures that are basically spells on a stick um even during kaladesh there was a lot of spell quellers still being played a lot of reflector mage those two cards there really kind of warp your format because why even bother with counters for the most part where you can just be like, Oh, well I'm just going to play these creatures instead. And while there were control decks, I mean the first pro tour, pro tour, pro tour Kaladesh was Jeskai versus Grixis control. But I mean, there was still a huge, huge swing to the threats side and then barely being any answers. I remember discussions upon discussions upon discussions of it. So then we complained to wizards about it. And what do they do? They give us a really good answer card in Aether Revolt, one of the previews, and that being Fatal Push. Fatal Push was and still is an amazing card. You see it being put in Legacy, being in Modern especially, um, still being widely used in standard. I mean, it is a really good card. It's a really good kill spell. You know, it being one black, and it doesn't even matter the uh, power and toughness of the creature. If it's converted mana cost two or less, boom, it's dead. Or if you have the revolt trigger, four or less. Um, and that would have been an amazing answer for vehicles, especially Smuggler's Copter. Do you remember that card, Smuggler's Copter? It was in every single deck during Kaladesh Standard. If you weren't around back then, you could literally put Smuggler's Copter in every single deck. Doesn't matter what you're playing. And why not? It is a really good call card. It was called Looter Scooter for a reason. Um, you know, I mean, was it impossible to stop? No, but it was very hard to stop it. Fatal Push was a great answer to Smuggler's Copter. But... And then right before Aether Revolt comes out, we have the first standard bannings in a long time. And those cards that were banned were Emrakul, Promised End, Reflector Mage, and Smuggler's Copter. Now, I didn't really mention Emrakul. Um, Emrakul, there were kind of two decks that really utilized Emrakul uh, during Kaladesh, and that was Green Black Delirium and Aetherworks Marvel. Uh, Aetherworks Marvel, you would be able to cast it for free. And then Delirium, you'd be able to cast it for as cheap as, I think, six mana it would get down to. Um, and casting a 13-13 for six mana, what are you going to do? Uh, it wasn't impossible to kill. It was just extremely, extremely tough to get around. And... You know, it was just not fun to play against. It wasn't so much the mind control part because, yeah, that you could definitely screw your opponent up, or or you your you yourself get screwed while um, you know, being mind controlled. But I mean, that wasn't the part that was bad. It was the, you know, you had to make sure you had answers for it. I mean, if you countered it, you still get the mind control cast. Um, you know, but disallow was a really good card to answer that disallow being an Aether Revolt. Um, 
Summary Dismissal, another really good card that saw play in Kaladesh that would exile all spells on the stack. Uh, still really good. But, like I said, there weren't really that many good kill cards, and it was just being used everywhere. Like I said, the three decks that really held the meta for Kaladesh were Delirium, Blue-White Flash, and Mardu Vehicles. So, like I said, they banned those three cards, uh, basically killing um, any kind of blue-white flash. I, like I said, I played Bant Flash during Kaladesh Standard. Loved that deck. Wasn't as good as blue-white, but still really enjoyed it. Um, and then, and then, oh, you know, I forgot to mention this. Um, right as Kaladesh came out, Wizards decided to revisit the standard rotation saying oh you know we don't like the 18 month rotation we're going back to two years <sighs> which is fine you know in, in a way there have been a lot of good discussions on it it's fine reversing that because it does go to show that you know you have a longer chance to play with your cards when it comes to the casual player or the fnm player that may not be able to invest a lot in standard can still play with his cards for two years when that set comes out. So that's not bad at that point. It wasn't so much that I'm frustrated that they did that. It was more of a, can you make up your mind? You know, why go to all this hubbub of going to an 18 month rotation and then you decide to change your mind? Granted, yes, I get it. They had a lot of market research showing that, oh, standard tenants down or people don't really like the change. I get that. I get that. I completely understand. It's just more of a, well, why didn't you even do some more market research ahead of time to see if people would really like this change? It just really came out of nowhere, it felt like. And granted, I don't know I don't know the whole process of what they did to even start the whole 18-month rotation. Maybe they did do a lot of research that, oh, do you want to see shorter standard rotations? And maybe a lot of people thought, oh, hey, this isn't a bad idea. Um, but I digress. Uh, so the Aether Revolt bannings happened, but there was a card that was showcased in Aether Revolt during the spoiler season, and it was a little simple card, and it felt like it took all of three seconds for the whole magic community to come together and say, oh wow, this card's broken, um, yeah, th this, this is gonna break standard. And that card is little old Felidar Guardian, the three and a white drop that can blink a creep, blink any permanent actually. And you know what card went really well with Felidar Guardian? Sahili Ray. Um, basically being able to make a copy of Felidar Guardian, then that new token blinking Sahili Ray and basically creating Splinter Twin in standard. Um, I don't have anything against combo and standard. I think combo can be a very fun deck. The Jeskai Ascendancy combo, very fun to watch. And it's not always fun to be on the receiving end of it, but it's very fun to watch. It could be very easily disrupted, um, very easy, sh easily shut out. But if you don't have any answers, if you're an aggro deck and you're just looking for beatdowns and you happen to go up against Jeskai Ascendancy, you know, oh well. Um, then there was the Aetherflux Reservoir combo, which basically sort of like a storm deck in a sense, where you just gain 50 life and then you do 50 damage to your opponent. Fun, fun combo decks. You know, I I just want to preface, I don't have problems with combo. They're fun. I still liked Splinter Twin in Modern, and 
I felt that wasn't even that oppressive. Uh, but in standard, with there being a splinter twin combo in standard and there being really no good answers to Felidar or Sahili Ray, it's, it really makes you question, okay, yes, there were some answers. There was shock. There was fatal push. Um, you know, harness lightning. But, you, you know, but with the, the shell that played Sahili Ray or the copycat combo the most was very controlly. So they wouldn't always do it at turn four. Um, but it just really goes to show how did copycat slip under the radar and it's it I, I know I've read the articles where they said, oh, we weren't sure or we didn't see this combo happening, but it was developed at the same time during the during the same set. Granted, I'm sure they don't work on both sets at the same time. You know, they do one set at a time or, or maybe they go back and forth. I don't know. But it, it it was just very surprising when the whole community saw that. It's just sort of like, oh, this creates a really bad infinite combo here on potentially turn four standard is not meant to be a turn four format so all throughout aether revolt we only had two decks during standard for the most part yes there were other decks there was the teamer dynavolt there was other forms of jeskai control and i'm sure other kinds of brews but the meta was extremely dominated by copycat and mardu vehicles I think Pro Tour 8th Revolt, there was a lot of copycat combos out there. The biggest, um, the biggest uh, variation of it at first was Jeskai. And then it evolved into four colors, Splashing Green, which I feel was the better, better choice in the long run. Um, but I think Mardu Vehicles really dominated standard, that Pro Tour 8th Revolt, if I remember correctly. And... Even after even after that pro tour, it was all it was all copycat on Martyr vehicles. I go to F and M. It's all Martyr vehicles and copycat. And like I said at the time, I was playing Jund Energy, um, and it's just like, what's the point? You know? Okay, yeah, I can sideboard in to stop either two of the decks, but it's just like it's not fun. Um. You know, and then there's the BNR announcement, what, a couple weeks after Pro Tour Aether Revolt. No ban to copycat, claiming they need more data. They don't think it's that bad. And it's just, the community was screaming. Like, really? It's bad. It's bad, guys. It's everywhere. <laughs> no one likes this. How did it even get into final design? You know? And then the Almond Cat. Uh, Almond Cat. Almond Cat. Banner restrict announcement comes. No copycat ban. Claiming they still need more data. And at that time, right before Almond Cat, it literally was nothing but copycat and Mardu vehicles in the meta. There was like no room for anything else. And Mardu vehicles didn't even really become an aggressive deck. It was more of a control mid-range deck at that point. You know, just to keep up with the copycat combo. And I feel, I remember the internet went crazy when they had the Amonkhet BNR announcement and no copycat man. And they, Wizards did do a smart thing. They did allow Amonkhet to be 
playable in standard on Magic Online. And two days later, on that fateful Wednesday, they announced that there was an addendum to be made in the ban and restricted announcement that they banned Copycat. And the majority of standard players rejoiced. Um, people who bought into the deck probably lost a lot of confidence in Wizards. I mean, there's still people that have still lost a lot of confidence in Wizards that they know what they're doing. So that was just a little overview of the past two years of basically Magic the Gathering regarding mainly Standard and the way that they're keeping up with this format. Um, you know, and it just goes to show what, or it doesn't really go to show, it really makes you question what is going on. Wizards, I mean, I, I get it. You can't go into all your internal processes of what happens and, you know, why certain decisions are made. I mean, you can say the P, the public, the PR response for it, but sometimes I understand you can't always go in and be like, well, we fucked up. Exactly. Like, I get it. I, I know you guys have already admitted Felidar Guardian's mistake, and I feel I don't want this all to be overshadowed just by copycat because the other things that I've explained, those are you know, really big eye openers as well. We had the most expensive standard last year. No, the year before that. And, and then you went, go back on your rotation schedule. And then you have, we've had two standard bannings now. What is going on? I mean, what, how can, you know, when you look at it from an outsider's perspective, if, especially if I'm going to be a really competitive player, um, really wanting to make that run at, you know, going to nationals or GPs, pro tours, and I decide I have an X amount of budget, you know, per month for Magic, and, you know, I need to be able to have, you know, X amount of money set aside to be able to upkeep decks, you know, be able to buy singles and all that stuff, and... With these standard bannings, it almost kind of makes you question, you know, well, how much money am I going to have to set aside in case that one, one of my decks gets banned and then I have to, you know, quickly sell it off for as much as I can, you know, recoup any kind of cost and then have to, once again, buy the next best deck. Um, you know, as when you look at it from a competitive point like that and, you know, you're not one of those lucky people that have sponsors or anything similar to that it's it really kind of shakes your confidence in wizards that how can they keep making these kind of mistakes the past few years of standard have really come out to be a one to two deck format granted granted a lot of standards have been like that where you know the first couple weeks there's you know all these awesome brews and everybody's so excited to make the next best deck you know i know i always get excited like right now i'm in i'm so excited to start brewing decks you know i've been working with some friends and buddies that you know you think try to come up with an awesome control deck or aggro combo whatever you know and it's always exciting and then a couple weeks goes by and then you start seeing what all the top pro players are playing especially after the pro tour and then the metal starts the, the metal meta starts to settle down a little bit and that's how it's always been um but i've always felt like even at the fnm level you you still have chances for homebrews to be able to answer those meta decks but lately it doesn't feel like that it really doesn't um 
you know, Amonkhet's still relatively new, so we don't know exactly what the meta is going to settle down to. I mean, everybody thinks Mario Vehicles is going to be the be-all, end-all. Um, you know, we we don't have all the refined... All the decks aren't refined yet, so we don't know. Um, but so the past, past couple years, it's really been a one-to-two deck format. Remember Bant Collect a Company? Everybody played that. That was not a fun. Uh, Kaladish Standard was three decks. Uh, I mean... Even in Battle for Zendikar's standard, it was four color rally, dark Jeskai, and some variation of Abzan. Um, Abzan Green? No, 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 not Abzan Green. Um, no, Mardu Green. That's right. Um, but yeah, it's it's, and it almost makes you question: How can we trust you, Wizards, to keep making the game the best it can be and make these all these sound decisions? You know. Do we need to just start getting rid of old blood and put in new blood? Sometimes that has to happen. Sometimes you need that outsider's perspective to be able to get things done. I know for sure. I mean, this happens in in any job. And when you're working on a project for so long and you sometimes, you know, you hit a brick wall and all it takes is an outsider's perspective to get you started. They get you thinking of ideas that you had no, didn't think of because you're too close to it. Does Watsi, especially in R&D, need to have some outside contractors come in and start taking over the game for a little bit to maybe spruce it up? I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I, I know nothing about the inner workings of how Wizards is doing what they're doing and the internal process of making, you know, sets. But like I said, the past two years have been very eye-opening and very, very worrisome. You know, th- this is not a game I want to see die, and I don't, I don't see this game dying anytime soon. So this isn't a you know doom and gloom type thing, but it is starting to go down a little bit down the hole. I mean, and I, I know I'm making it sound bad, but it's really, it's really shaken a lot of people's confidence in you wizards for all the stuff that you've done the past two years. It's just been one thing after another. Now people's memory spans are very short because they will be really mad at X, Y, Z happening. And then, Oh look, shiny new cards. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Take it. Um, and then people are like, Oh, we love you wizards. We forgive you. And then the next thing happens and everybody's mad again. Um, so yeah, that that was just basically what I want to say. I, I've I've been thinking about this for a while now, and Wizards, you know, we love you. We love your card game. We want to see you succeed because we want to keep getting into this game and getting into this product. They're people that, you know, th- this is their end all be all, and they love this game, and it's it's one of the best card games you know, ever. It's one of the best games ever made and we don't want to see it fall off. We want you guys to keep growing and succeeding and doing what you're doing. But sometimes I feel like you need a little bit of a wake up call and have a bit of an outsider's perspective to say, Hey, what's going on? You know, I don't know if you guys are getting that at your company in internally, but 
it's it's worrisome for people like me and for a lot of other people for your player base that a lot of these decisions and not just the copycat but the past two years have been extremely worrisome you know so this is zuby signing off and have a great night everybody okay So you thought we were done here, didn't you? Well, they say the key to a magic player's heart is not their deck of cards, but their untapped mana. This one goes out to all you star-crossed lovers, baby. Also, you know what else they say? The best part of waking up is breakfast with nerds in a cup. Check out their YouTube channel. Just search Breakfast with Nerds. <laughs>